Well, good morning, everyone. It's already been a good morning. Uh, I've sure enjoyed reflecting on the blessings that we have in Christ's coming and the uh, onset of the Advent season and worshiping together and just the reality of needs in this world that we can be part of uh, supporting and helping. So uh, thank you for being here today, both in person and those of you who are joining us online. And I'm sure that you have noticed by now that we are in the Christmas season already. And when we are in the Christmas season, it brings us opportunities to experience a variety of emotions. So some of you are really looking forward to Christmas, maybe just because of the people that you're going to see, maybe because of something that happened this past year, and maybe you have a new little one in your family, or maybe you have something great that happened and you just are looking forward to celebrating that with others. Maybe you uh, go into your first Christmas as a married couple or you're into your first Christmas with a significant health improvement. And some of you have had a brush with death this past year and you're going into this Christmas with greater appreciation for being able to celebrate Christmas. While others of us may be going into this season with dread or fear or sadness because it's the first Christmas without a loved one. Or maybe it is the first Christmas where you are navigating a family breakup or a relationship breakup. Or maybe it's a Christmas where you wonder what the future holds. And you're not sure that it's really going to be a time of celebration, but more a time of anxiety. And for many of us, as we go into Christmas, we are waiting for something. Maybe you're a young couple who wants a family and you've struggled to get pregnant and you are waiting. Maybe you are single and are looking for your soulmate and have been for a long time and yet you continue to wait. Maybe you are the parent of a prodigal and you have prayed for God to bring them home or at least to bring them back to Christ and you are waiting. Maybe you are waiting for a diagnosis or test results or an appointment or for clear direction. And our culture does not help us wait. It discourages waiting by trying to provide everything efficiently. And it may subtly tell us that waiting for anything is bad. So do whatever you can to avoid it or to shorten it. And I have a confession to make to you today. I am not a very good waiter, person who waits. I get annoyed by red lights. And I am a fellow traveler with you. When it comes to waiting, I have much to learn in this area. And yet waiting is a part of life. Everyone has to wait at times. So might there be something that we can learn while we wait? Might it be good for us in certain contexts? Might God actually want to form us and teach us through seasons of waiting? Well, this theme of waiting permeates the Christmas story. And many of the people that we meet through it had to wait on God for something. So this Christmas season, we're going to 
look at the Christmas story through the lens of waiting. And we're going to ask questions like, why would God make us wait? What are we waiting for when we say we are waiting on God? And how do we do waiting on God well? And I'm going to bring some answers to each of these questions as we walk through the Christmas story. But I pray that if you are waiting on God for something in your life, or you have something that you've been waiting for for a long time, that God will speak to you through our time together this Christmas season. And today we start from the Gospel of Luke, where we'll be spending our entire time this Christmas, with the story and the account of Zechariah and Elizabeth who had done significant waiting already in their lives. And I pray that today God's going to speak to you if there's something that you're waiting for in your life through our time with Zachariah and Elizabeth. So please find Luke chapter 1. It's page 721 in the Bibles that we have there. And we're going to start the Christmas story from Luke's perspective in Luke chapter 1 verse 5. Which says... In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. 
and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So Luke begins by setting the Christmas story at a specific time in history, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. And if you were a Jewish reader, that immediately communicated dark times. For Herod ruled harshly. He jealously protected his throne to the point of even killing family members who threatened him or who he felt threatened him. He also imposed heavy taxation on the people for his massive building projects. And he was so universally hated that he ensured that his burial place would remain a secret, lest people come and desecrate his grave, which they eventually did when they found out later. So the people at that time lived under double oppression. They lived under the Romans who occupied their nation and ruled with a heavy hand, and they lived under Herod who ruled harshly with taxation and terror. And they had not heard a prophetic word for at least 400 years. They knew about the promised Messiah from the prophet Isaiah, which was 700 years previously. They heard about this forerunner to the Messiah who would come in the spirit of Elijah 400 years previously in the prophet Malachi, but they had heard nothing since then. So they had waited for four centuries for the coming of the Messiah. And then Luke introduces us to Zechariah and to Elizabeth. So he's a priest, she's a priest's daughter, and we're told they lived righteously before God and kept his commandments. Which does not mean that they were perfect, but they earnestly pursued a serious walk with God. And in their culture, it was assumed that if you walked with God, you would receive the blessings of God, which certainly included the blessing of children. Yet Luke informs us in verse 7 that they had no child, for Elizabeth was barren. And they had now reached their senior years and had waited many years for a child. Had they given up hope? We don't know. But we do know that despite this disappointment, they continued to walk with the Lord. Now priests lived throughout the whole country, and they were divided into 24 divisions, And each division had to come to Jerusalem twice a year to serve for one week in the temple. And during that time, priests from the country would draw lots, and whoever got drawn would have the privilege of going inside the temple to offer prayer on behalf of the people. This privilege was so rare that you were only allowed to do it once in your lifetime. And since there are approximately 8,000 priests, it's estimated, at that time, not everyone would get an opportunity to burn incense in the temple by the incense altar right outside the Holy of Holies, where inside the Ark of the Covenant was, and God would descend to meet those praying. Yet Zachariah's lot is drawn. So during the hour of prayer, he leaves the people praying outside, he goes into the temple, He prays while standing with his incense right outside the Holy of Holies. This 
is the highlight of his priestly career. When suddenly someone else is standing near him. It's the angel of the Lord. And Luke tells us that Zechariah was troubled and fear fell upon him. And he had good reason to fear. He expected to be alone. No prophetic message from the Lord had come during his lifetime. He was not prepared for an encounter with the angel of the Lord. But the angel immediately addresses Zachariah's fear. Verse 13, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. What prayer? Was it the prayer that Zachariah had just prayed in the temple? When he was supposed to be representing the people of God and crying out for the redemption and for relief from all the oppression that they were under? And while he was praying that, did he slip in a personal prayer request that he might still and his wife be blessed with a child? It's possible. Or maybe the angel links the prayer for Israel's redemption immediately to the child that God is going to bless Zachariah and Elizabeth with. For certainly this child would play a huge role in Israel's redemption. Or maybe the angel is referring to the previous prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth that they have prayed for years. We don't know for sure, but we do know that the angel's information answers a prayer of Zechariah. And the angel goes on to describe the special role this child will play in God's purposes. He will be a son whom they call John. He will bring great joy and gladness to them and to many he will be great before the Lord he must radically devote his life to the Lord and he's the only person that we know of who had the Holy Spirit in him before he was born and then in verses 16 and 17 the angel describes the child's mission he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and so on. And those words come directly out of the prophet Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament. So God is fulfilling the words of his prophet given 400 years previously. God is on the move and the Messiah is on the way. Now, this would be tremendous news, especially for a devout man like Zechariah. His prayer has been answered. His son will serve as forerunner to the Messiah. Messiah is coming. Israel's redemption is near. But look at how Zechariah responds in verse 18. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I have great sympathy for Zechariah. He had walked with the Lord many years. He persevered with the Lord through the unanswered prayer for a child. He carried out his duties faithfully. He suddenly encounters this messenger from the Lord with these incredible promises. And maybe if the promise was not so personal, Zechariah would have been excited if the angel had said there's going to be a child born in the country who's going to fulfill the role of forerunner. Zechariah would have said, great. But 
it would be his child. And he looked at his own circumstances and his own resources and the reality that old people don't have babies. But he went further. He not only lacked knowledge about how God would do this, he lacked belief that God would do this or would be able to do it. And for that, Zechariah should have known better because there were examples of, doing, of God doing exactly this in his people's history. Abraham and Sarah, most famously, who had their son Isaac when Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 91. And God did that to show it was only by his power that the line of Abraham could continue, that his people would be preserved. And if God could do that, he could certainly preserve them as a people through whatever they faced. So it's possible that Zechariah allowed the long years of waiting on the Lord to degenerate into some disbelief in the Lord's words and ability. And the first point I want to make for you today is simply this. Long-term waiting on the Lord can degrade into unbelief in or of the Lord. And I wonder if that's a possibility for some of us here today or watching online. Maybe there's something that you've been asking the Lord for for years. And it hasn't happened. And maybe you've let your heart drift from belief and faith to unbelief and doubt about God. And Satan does not sit around when he sees this happening in our lives. He pounces during times of waiting to cast doubt on God's goodness and God's character. And since we are so unaccustomed to waiting, we are vulnerable. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. They only had to wait a few hours or maybe a day before God would come back again, yet they couldn't wait to see what God would say about this invitation from the serpent. They did not believe God's good word and chose to follow the serpent instead. And this passage warns us that devout and mature Christians who have walked with God for decades are still vulnerable to unbelief about God or his abilities. And maybe Zechariah did not even know that this had crept into his heart. Yet when presented with the humanly impossible that would affect his life and require this amount of faith, unbelief popped out of him. And notice, Zechariah asserts his claim and his reality with the word, I. How can I know this? I am an old man. And the angel of the Lord responds with his own I statements. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. What a contrast. You've got lack of knowledge and human weakness in Zechariah. You've got all of God's knowledge and all of God's power and strength in the angel of the Lord. And Gabriel reminds Zechariah of this reality. 
And in a way, Zechariah has asked for a sign. I need a sign to believe. And the angel's going to provide a sign, but not a sign Zechariah wants. It's the sign of silence. Suddenly, Zechariah will be unable to speak and will remain so for the duration of the pregnancy. Yet there's still mercy. Gabriel affirms that God's words would be fulfilled. The child will be born. But Zechariah will again have to wait nine months to speak about it. While all this is going on, the people outside are wondering, why is Zechariah taking so long to come out? Because the person in the temple would come out and would pronounce the priestly blessing on the people that were praying there. And when Zechariah finally does come out, he can't talk. And they realize he's seen a vision. So he makes signs to them and then fulfills his responsibilities, serving the rest of the week. And then he goes home and Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And we're told she keeps herself hidden for five months. Why? The Lord has taken away her reproach, she says, yet she waits before coming out in public. And maybe it was because she had borne a lot of shame and a lot of scorn over the years. Maybe some callous or cruel person had said something like, well, you know, the Lord blesses those who fear him with children. Where are your children? There must be something that you're hiding, some sin in your life that you haven't confessed. And if Elizabeth came out after she was pregnant one month and said, I'm pregnant, imagine the scorn. Besides, people could see Zachariah couldn't talk. So maybe they, they withdraw. Maybe they are praying. Maybe they are waiting. Maybe they are reflecting on the unbelief that was in their hearts that they didn't even know about. But the child is on the way and will arrive. So the most important part about this passage today is that God intervenes in history to do his work on his redemptive plan. This was the next phase. He was initiating what was going to happen in the coming of the Messiah. And from that, we can learn something about the times of waiting in our lives. So the first point, again, long-term waiting on the Lord can degrade into unbelief of the Lord. How can we guard against that? And I think there's two factors we will need a renewed perspective about God and a revamped approach to waiting on him. So I've tried to put these into one statement, which we'll then unpack. So here it is. Since God keeps his word in his time, we must continue to trust him with believing dependence on him. So first phrase this is the renewed perspective on God we need to keep God keeps his word according to his time when God decides to do something he will do it but he's going to do it in his time and his timing is perfect yet we often don't see that or don't trust his timing we think we know best when things need to happen, or we need certain amounts of information to trust him. But God is always at his work arranging variables for the perfect time. 
Jesus himself says this in John 5, 17, my father is always at his work and I too am working. And we see throughout scripture are references to the perfect timing of God. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Romans 5.6, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Galatians 4.4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And when we remember God's wisdom, God's perfection, it can help us give over the timing to him. And we must also recognize that sometimes God's will is very different than our will. We wait on God for something. We think that's what needs to happen. And God's will is different. God's purposes are above us or beyond us. So we're called to continue to trust in him, to depend on him. And sometimes God uses our time of waiting to soften our hearts to his purposes. And I remember when I received news that my dad was in possibly his last days, that when I, when I flew out from Ottawa to Calgary, I was praying, Lord, please heal him. Please restore him. And then after a couple of days there, seeing the depth of my dad's suffering, my heart and my prayer changed. To Lord, please take him. Please bring him home. For God had decided it was my dad's time. And yet he worked with me to soften my heart, to accept that, to release my dad to the presence of Jesus in God's time. So we need that renewed perspective where God will keep his word in his time. And then we need a revamped approach to waiting and I've called this continue to trust him with believing dependence. So it's hard to wait. But we have to guard against doing what Zechariah did and letting his heart degrade into unbelief. Instead, we continue to believe and we also continue to depend on God for strength while we wait. God does, doesn't leave us when we're waiting God doesn't do that just so we squirm, and he likes to see us squirm. God will strengthen us, empower us, help us as we wait. So we ask for his strength to keep going in the face of uncertainty. Like Psalm 62, verse 8, which says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And we keep doing that which is before us in everyday life. We go to our jobs and we glorify him. We go to our classes and do our assignments. We ask for his strength and joy to persevere with little ones at home. Or keep on seeking him through prayer and Bible reading. We connect with other believers for prayer and encouragement as we wait. We continue to go deeper with God, learning that we can trust him with all that concerns us. So we must not waste our waiting. We can use it to cultivate this believing dependence on the Lord. And then it is less likely that our waiting on God will degrade into unbelief. So, I want to invite you today to bring to the Lord anything 
that you have been waiting on him for. Maybe we need to confess that we have allowed unbelief creep into our hearts about God's ability and God's power. Maybe we need to acknowledge that we have only looked at this situation with our own resources and our own knowledge and that we need his resources and his knowledge. Maybe we need to pray what the father of the boy with the evil spirit prayed. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Or maybe we need to ask for wisdom from the Lord on how to wait on him for whatever we wait for. So will you come before the Lord now and just present your need to him? Whatever it is that you're waiting for or whatever God has spoken to you about during our time together, will you, will you lift that to the Lord now and offer up and, and say it in your spirit that which you've been waiting for? And, and, and Lord God, you know every prayer and everything that is being offered up to you right now. You know every situation intimately. And you know what you're doing already about this. And you know the perfect timing when these requests will be answered or when you will give the answer that you will give. And so we come to you confessing any unbelief in our hearts, first of all, about your character, about your care, about your love. We confess our impatience We confess looking only to our knowledge and our abilities. We confess demanding that you do things our way and in our time. And then we acknowledge and recognize your infinite knowledge, your unlimited power, your good and perfect timing, your strength that you give for us to carry on. And for those here or watching online who are in a very serious situation right now of waiting, I pray that your spirit will minister now with a deep sense of your presence and your love and your care. And we ask for your strength to wait and your wisdom on how to do that. Amen.